Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. My name is Manning, and I'm excited that you are joining us. Momentum is our business ministry under Freedom Church, and our vision is to equip and inspire kingdom businesses. This podcast will cover several topics with a focus on what it means to be a kingdom-driven business. Our hope is to help you build your business no matter where you are in the world. To stay up to date with what's happening, follow us on social media at Freedom Momentum. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, and welcome to our Momentum Podcast. My name is Manning, and I'm so excited that you are joining us wherever you are, uh, whether you're driving your car or you're listening from home. I'm so glad that you're joining us. Uh, Within Momentum, we have launched our DNA, and if you attended the conference a couple months back, we talked about the four DNA, which really uh, focus on what is a kingdom business and answering that question. And today on this podcast, I'm going to talk with Chris Kothick, in our Hereford location, who um, he was meant to speak on heart and soul when he was present in Hereford. And if you were in any of our other locations, you would have heard that teaching, which was so incredible. However, Chris, God was speaking to you about an entirely different topic to present to Hereford campus. And I just wonder if you could share some of that with us today. Sure. Thanks, Manning. Well, hello, everybody. And yes, um, at the Momentum Conference, I had one plan, but delivered something altogether um, slightly, you know, different, really. So a little bit of context. I had in the run-up to the Momentum Conference been thinking about um, kingdom business builders and kingdom um, kind of business makers of old. And um, the sort of research around it had taken me in a few different directions. Um, but I just really felt a burden that um, something that emerged about two, three hundred years ago in the UK was a reconciliation of business and kingdom building, business and church, if you want to use that language. And that was something that was really foundational for us in the in the establishing of momentum. I felt God leading me to speak on that. And I think it does connect. I was talking about heart and soul and the idea of the, that we're committed to making God's kingdom the central cause of our lives, no matter the cost. Um, and so for me, I wanted to speak into the whole concept of business as ministry, business as kingdom. Um, and basically, back in the early, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, we had a man called John Wesley, who was uh, a really significant personality within the church in the UK, um, passionate preacher, made a huge mark on the UK. Um, and Wesley emerged within a context where you know, people had this kind of mindset that godly stuff happened in church and was done by ministers and everybody else was kind of second class in the mix of it, that business and work wasn't spiritual or sacred, that it was a secular thing. And therefore somehow, you know, like almost dirty, I guess, would be the idea. And you had to go to church for redemption and, and churches where spiritual stuff happened. And basically Wesley comes along and he starts teaching that we should work all we can, give all we can and save all we can. He sort of reconciled um, ministry and, and business into one um, coherent kind of concept rather than separate concepts. So he was one of the people that started to reconcile it anyway um, because he saw work as a ministry because of the impact that work could have, that business could have on, on workers, uh, on customers, on society and through the wealth generated. And so he did this amazing thing, effectively lifted um, kingdom business leaders and kingdom business people from second-class status in the kingdom of God to full-on ministers. And it had a stunning impact. And there were lots of people that were impacted by this. But just one really quick story, a man named Arthur Guinness, who um, you may have heard of before. You certainly would have heard of Guinness, the stout, the drink that we've all seen in pubs and some of us perhaps have even tasted perhaps 
Um, it's, you know, you've, you've put it on your band list because it's so weighty in calories. I certainly have. Uh, anyway, but the point is that Guinness grew up on uh, the estate of a bishop. His dad was kind of the um, estate keeper and his dad brewed beer, which was very common um, within monasteries and um, churches back then because 100 years earlier, there'd been something called the gin craze in Britain and the gin craze, basically people went nuts on gin and society started to fall apart um, all kinds of issues within society and alcoholism shot through the roof. So uh, the reason people were drinking gin was because water was toxic and water remained toxic. But rather than drinking gin, people started brewing ales, which had a far lower alcohol content and were a rich source of vitamins. And so this bishop basically said to Arthur Guinness, you need to go, and he was influenced by Wesley as well, you need to go and set up uh, a factory and produce this beer that you're so good at making. And so Arthur Guinness does it. Um, and he, ingre- he built this incredible, incredible business. Um, and it was fueled really by a kingdom mindset, by the concept that God was calling him to build this business. And the business could be a reflection of God's kingdom on earth. And so he built a business that cared for his employees in an exceptional way. I mean, it was, it was kind of mold breaking back in its time because it was, there were doctors, there were full-time doctors, full-time dentists, there were libraries for people to go and learn to read and to access books. Um, he set up a bank to help people save money and spend money and buy houses. Um, he sent his workers on trips to the countryside to promote their well-being and all kinds of things like this. He made millions and millions. I mean, he became one of the richest men in Dublin. Um, and he was a phenomenal businessman as well. I mean, just one of the business decisions he took, he negotiated a 9,000-year lease on his land in Dublin. I mean, they're still living off that lease today. But you just think about that, negotiating a 9,000-year lease, it's an incredible business mind. Um, but he also poured millions of pounds into alleviating poverty um, and helping people in need. And so, you know, you've got this, this, this concept emerges, not of kingdom, um, you know, as a church-related or spiritual activity separate from work, but as work you know, as an expression of kingdom and full of the kingdom and an extension of the kingdom and, you know, and a means to grow the kingdom. And so that kind of brings us up to modern day. And a few years ago, I went to Zurich in Switzerland and I um, connected with a church there called um, ICF. And while I was there, uh, we were looking out of a window and one of the leaders of this church said to me, on that building they're building next door, it's a huge building site next door. That's going to be our new church building. And I said, wow, that looks absolutely huge. And he said, well, yeah, it's also going to be the, 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 you know, the foremost um, meeting or conferencing venue in Zurich as well. Now, Zurich is not a you know, poor backwater. It is a wealthy Swiss city. And anybody that's been on holiday in Switzerland knows that everything in Switzerland costs a fortune. So you can imagine how much this building was costing to build. And I said to him, how are you doing this? How is the church financing this building? He said, well, we're not. He said, it's been built by a group of businessmen within our church. We just said to them, hey, we want a permanent facility for a few decades now. Our church has been load in, load out. We'd like a a, a permanent building, but really we're only going to use it a couple of times a week. And so it seemed wasteful for us to build it as a church. And these business leaders said, no problem, we'll build it. And so they raised some millions of um, Swiss francs to start this build, um, borrowed a whole ton of money, got the plans through. I think it's called something like this. the Samsung um, venue or it's, you know, it's sponsored by a major kind of um, company and it's a beautiful building and the um, sort of above ground parts of the building are a meeting venue um, that the church uses on a Sunday. Um, A few thousand people you can see in this venue, I mean, quite a few thousand people. And then underground, you've got permanent kids facilities that all get locked away during the week. Nobody would know they're there. On a Sunday, they open the door and you've got all these kids facilities in the basement. Um, And it got me thinking because I said to them, wow, you must have some really wealthy business folk in your church. And they said, yeah, yeah, we do. 
I said, were they wealthy when they joined the church? He said, no, no, they weren't. They joined the church like a few decades ago, most of these guys, and they were just, you know, regular business guys. And suddenly the penny dropped um, that, you know, through the journey that they'd all gone on together, a kingdom journey, building church, building business, building kingdom, God had done an amazing thing, you know, blessing these guys and growing their business. Um, but also through a journey of maintaining a relationship between them all, that they were all in it together, all on a journey together. And it really just kind of it stirred something within me. And it was one of the things that helped stimulate the idea for momentum from my perspective. It's like not just, not just kind of encouraging people in business, but saying actually go build business as a means to bless, go build business as a means to reach, go build business as a means to reflect Christ into the world all around you. And so this had all been buzzing around in me. And then I got up the morning of the Momentum Conference um, and Joseph was on my mind. And I just couldn't really shake this sense that God was saying, you should speak about Joseph. Because Joseph, I think, is a unique figure in the Bible in that he, you know, he wasn't a priest in the temple. There are priests in the Bible that we read about. Uh, he wasn't a prophet in the wilderness. Lots of prophets in the Bible who we, whose work we read Neither was he the leader of a nation, a king, and there are lots of kings in the Bible as well. In, in some senses, you could argue that he was all of these things, but he was actually quite an exceptional character. And Joseph follows hot on the heels of some incredible patriarchs in the Bible, um, but he has a far wider, wider remit than his father, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, they had an incredible remit themselves, but then along comes Joseph, and God placed upon Joseph a far greater mantle to make a far greater impact, a far greater kingdom impact. And there was something about all of these men, they were called to occupy spaces of influence, but Joseph especially was called to occupy this space of influence. Each space was purposeful in its own right. But I just really felt there was something about Joseph was called to fill a space that nobody else could fill. And in the same way, God's called the business leaders within our church to occupy a space as well. You know, nobody can occupy the space, whether it's a space in accountancy or architectural media or software or real estate, you know, property or um, retail or whatever it is. God's called you to occupy a space in that area. And we need to take confidence in that call um, to occupy space because for Joseph, I think Joseph gives us encouragement as business leaders that didn't always work out well for him. You know, his, his own brothers wanted to kill him. Fortunately, they relented and stuck him in the hole instead while they figured out what to do with him and sold him into slavery. I mean, just incredible stuff. And Potiphar's house, you know, went into a position of leadership, but he got targeted um, and ended up getting, um, you know, thrown into prison. But sometimes it, it did work out as well. And it's interesting, isn't it? Even in prison, he rose to the top. I mean, it was quite incredible and eventually goes on to be, um, second, uh, you know, second to Pharaoh in just a few ways. I mean, he was so influential and so powerful within the context of Egypt at a time when Egypt came to be, was already hugely powerful, but its power became, you know, even greater under Joseph's leadership because of the strategy and the wisdom that, that Joseph brought to the nation. He helped carry the nation through a time of famine that, that destroyed other nations, brought other nations to their knees. I mean, eventually it enslaved people groups, um, you know, Egypt took, control of the land. I mean, it was just incredible the way this thing grew into um, a giant. And I'm not saying all of that stuff is good because some of that stuff is pretty scary when you think about it. But the point is, we need to confidently occupy our spaces as business leaders, knowing that God has called us into those spaces. It's part of our calling. It's, he's anointed us for it. And I think that that um, you know, requires letting go of some concepts, embracing some new things, 
and pulling the thread of the marketplace plan that God has, you know, for our lives as momentum business leaders. And it's super interesting to me, just as I was um, thinking about Joseph in, you know, ahead of this conference. And when I say ahead of this conference, it was literally 10, 15 minutes I was sat at the back of the venue writing this. Um, but just had a real burden on my heart for it. Um, I was reminded that Joseph became unrecognizable as an undercover agent in the spaces that God called him to operate in. You know, God put him in those marketplace spaces. Um, and, it, you know, but he was unrecognizable in those spaces. Even his own brothers, when they came face to face with him, didn't recognize him because he became an Egyptian <laughs> in Egypt. Um, you know, it, it's... and. You know, and that at times that required him to stand against what was happening. You know, he effectively it would have been so easy for Joseph to compromise his standards in Potiphar's house, you know, as, you know, as a, you know, in order to kind of gain favor in that environment. But actually, God put him in there, he put him into that space so that he could take a stand for righteousness and uphold godly standard. So he could have gone the one way, but no, he was a heart and soul guy. And so he said, I'm not going to compromise this. I'm going to uphold the standard. I'm going to reflect God's kingdom into this um, arena, into this space, filling his space, occupying his space. And I don't think God threw him into prison as a punishment either. I think God sent him there as a messenger of hope and a place of hopelessness. And it's so important to understand that, that God purchased our lives. And so our lives are God's. And very often we'll say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. God's purchased my life. Um, you know, what are the good things that I can do with my life? But I think the fact that God leads us and owns us and has purchased our lives means that at times God's going to deploy us into environments that look great. Potiphar's house probably looked good, uh, looked good on his CV until it all went wrong. Prison didn't look so good, but it was part of the call. God sent him there to fill a space in that place. Um, you know, even the rejection that he suffered at the hands of his brothers, as Joseph himself said, what you intended for bad, God used for good. It was all part of God's divine plan to put me into spaces, to cause me to occupy spaces, to be a kingdom influence in those spaces. Um, and so, you know, all of this was stuff that I was wanting to release, um, you know, into our leaders. I believe across Momentum today, um, there's a space that God has called each of our momentum leaders to occupy. And we're also contending for spaces in the future. Think of what Joseph did through occupying his space, his legacy. He saved a nation, he saved nations. He influenced, he gave, he was generous, he endured, he overcame. It was an incredible um, ministry, an incredible legacy, an incredible reconciliation of divine call with a call to the marketplace. You know, what did his ministry in Egypt looked like. It looked like building infrastructure, negotiating deals, leading workers, managing systems, planning. I mean, all the stuff that we as you know, marketing, there's a reason that his brothers all the way away in Canaan heard of you know, the grain that they had in Egypt and came to Egypt. There was something about they communicated it as well. Um, he was a man of influence who occupied his space and God used him in a powerful way. So, you know, these were some of the things um, that I shared um, at, at the conference. It's all so good. And it's like, even if I go back to um, John Wesley and what he was fighting for, that reconciliation of the church and business, that's all about what momentum is. We want to see people um, take ministry into their business take ministry into the marketplace and see the two combined, not see them different, not to see them even oppose one another. Um, and I even think for a lot of people, there is that just as Joseph had to accept the call in his life, 
there are a lot of people that need to accept the mantle of business on their life and accept where God's calling them into, into entrepreneurship, into building something. Uh, one of my favorite things that you didn't necessarily directly touch on, but talked about um, a few times is the longevity of how long it takes to, whether that's build finance for the kingdom or get to that position. You know, Joseph, it took years and years. For the men uh, in the church in Zurich, it took, he said they were part of the church for decades before they could put millions in and even borrow money to build this building. And I think that's a, a key thing for us is remembering within business, it doesn't happen overnight, but there's a longevity. Agreed. Agreed, Manny. I think, yeah, we, sorry, just to cut in there, we, I think we have a very short um, patience, don't we, today? Um, and again, I think you can look at Joseph's lives, life and you can say there were seasons or phases to his life. Yeah. And God, he invested himself fully, heart and soul, into each phase of his life. And, you know, three key phases that we would obviously read, well, four key phases growing up. In, in his father's home. Second phase, you know, effectively working in Potiphar's house. Third phase, the prison phase. Fourth phase, uh, man of influence. And, you know, and there is, there's been lots of analysis done on the, on the sort of the journey that goes on through those years for Joseph. Um, but I, I think you're right in saying that, that God works in seasons and, and through those seasons, he's refining him. <laughs> Um, he's drawing out calling. He's, um, you know, yes, there were dreams when he was young that said, hey, one day there's something big coming. And I'm sure Joseph must have had that in his mind um, through those years. But there was something about he was doing, God was doing a preparation work through the different phases. And for our business leaders, I mean, there may be two, three, four, five phases to their, Pastor G spoken on this before, where he's talked about, I had, you know, two, three businesses that didn't work out. And then God gave me a business that made money. And that was a key moment. Um, in a in a particular season of my life, and I think it's true for some of our business leaders as well. Of course, it's knowing when when it's time to move on into a new phase or when to change our approach. Yeah, yeah. And I on that whole um, on that whole topic for accepting the call that into business and you know even understanding the longevity of it and the phases of it. What would you say to someone who this might be? You might need to think. You might not, though. I think you've got this. What would you say to someone who feels called to business or has started in business for a year or two but still cannot merge business and ministry? How? Yeah. I, I, what I would say is I think they need to change their mindset because I think that that, that, that dichotomy, that division – uh, it's always been a huge passion of mine that we that we try and re that we reconcile those two things because we talk a lot about church or business, um, you know, like they're you know two entirely separate spheres. But I actually think that they they're they're one thing. And um, you know what you're doing in your business, your yeah, there's a legal entity, but the business is a is an organisation that should have a culture. Um, it will probably have you know, customers almost certainly have customers. It may have staff. It will have finances. Um, it will look to market and to reach. Deals will be done. Things will be purchased. Negotiations will happen. Um, even just the process of leading business, the thought, the thinking process, the planning process, the managing and navigating the stresses and strains. Um, I think if we see that as a non-sacred, non-kingdom thing, 
um, we can just think of it all as activity that um, we participate in and, and have this weird view that the holy stuff goes on over there in church. I think God is in and works through every element of that. And part of what we're trying to do is draw him in daily into every element of our businesses. Um, because ultimately, it, it's an expression of our creativity, an expression of our capacity, and we're kingdom people. And so I would just say to people, hey, you know, it, obviously, it feels a bit different probably when you're sat at your desk doing your emails to standing in church, worshiping on a Sunday morning or receiving teaching. But, you know, part of the function of church gatherings, I think, is to provide fuel for the fight. It's to create moments of, you know, collective worship. It's to create thoughtful um, teaching that, that God ministers through and impacts to put you into a community that will encourage you and, and fuel you, to give you opportunities to give and to um, build and to create in that space as well. Um, but it's it's all part of the single thing that God wants to do our, through our lives, which is kingdom building endeavor. And so don't, you know, I think we've got to tear down the walls between the two and see them, um, you know, historically they were seen as se separate and antagonistic. And I think our job is to reconcile. And, and in lots of places around the world, there is a reconciliation. I think sometimes, sadly, the reconciliation looks like, you know, business prime, church secondary or neglected. And I think what we have to find is the right balance between those two things. You can be heart and soul passionate about your church and church community and church family and heart and soul passionate about your business as well um, and investing into that and, and reaching people through that. You know, the, the painful reality is we might get, depending on the size of your church, um, 50, 100, 500, well, I don't know what different church sizes are really, people to church on a Sunday. But if you add up all the people that the workers and business leaders in our church connect with, it would be thousands every single week. You know, how are we going to reach the world with the message of Christ? Well, if everybody's going to come to church, it's going to be a very slow process. Some will come to church, I hope, and we'll have the boldness to encourage, uh, to encourage and invite people to church. But we also have to shine a light ourselves. And I don't think that that necessarily means every time we see them, we, you know, it's like, can I pray for you? Because that we know isn't a massively effective um, way of doing it. But by building authentic and genuine relationships that, you know, by loving people genuinely and wholeheartedly, loving the people that we work with or we work for, um, starts to establish relationship and God will create praying for people, creates opportunity to influence. So, you know, I think building business is an amazing way um, to, you know, to, to build God's kingdom. And one of the things that I know when I went church planting is something about the culture of our church. It inspired my life. It fueled my life and it inspired others. When I came into contact with the culture that God's placed within our church, I went from, you know, perhaps feeling um, frail and fearful to feeling bold and faith-filled and expectant. And that fueled me in church planting, fueled me in that vision that God, you know, gave us to go and build churches. Um, I think it has the same effect on our business leaders as well. If it, it lets them rather than feeling uh, fearful or um, like, you know, somehow incomplete, actually where God's anointed us for this, we take a hold of this culture and we put it to work. We get that rocket fuel that is the culture of our church into our tanks as business leaders. And, you know, and I, I think this just to say, I think really practically we have to protect this reconciled thing. Um, by avoiding falling into, because some people would hear this and say, brilliant, that means I don't need church. And I honestly, I come in, I see that all the time within business people where it's like, you know, really they talk about kingdom business as a cover for the fact that all they really want to think and do is business. And, you know, there's no, there's no, nobody speaks into their lives. There's limited submission. There's, it's like, single track, Lone Ranger, off doing their own thing outside of the community of church. 
um, not desiring leadership or input, seeing those things as well. They wouldn't understand this area anyway. You know, God may have given them grace to speak into lots of areas of my life, but certainly God's grace isn't sufficient for them to be able to speak into my business as well. These sorts of mentalities. And I just think that that's sad. And that's, I think that's as sad as the idea that, you know, the church is this holy place and business is this second place. I mean, what the reconciliation of the two means that we recognize that God goes first in all of it and that they sit together by God's grace and we surrender to his leading. Um, and it's all part of this call upon us as a people. I think we have to embrace church. So we have to get involved in church. We have to honor church. We don't fight against and wrestle it, but we seek input from the leaders that God has placed around us in church um, as well. Because I, the thing for me is I've seen people resist um, things like submission and honor, not realizing there's actually blessing in submission and honor. Um, and I think there's a huge absence of this at times within the, in the Christian business realm. Um, and I think that that can be an impediment to success. And, you know, however successful somebody is as a business leader, I think if they submit within the context of godly leadership and they honor, then God blesses that. And, you know, it, it powers them forward. And, you know, for lots of business leaders, I've met lots and lots of business leaders, and it doesn't take me very long to dig down and find that they actually many have a bugbear with church they have an issue with church and that may be that it's like well the church only really sees me as valuable for my money and and sometimes that's true and as the church we have to recognize that if all we think business leaders can contribute to church is money then we misunderstand the the, the nature of, of building kingdom businesses and the call to build god's kingdom beyond the four walls and the boundaries of our own you know church <laughs> ministry um you know, but some people say, oh, all church wants from me is money, or I don't have the time to be able to give to church, or I can't get along to groups on a Wednesday, and, um, or, you know, and, and, and kind of lean out or hurt because the church leader's spoken and tried to bring some direction and didn't like it. Uh, I mean, these, these things can go on. I, the thing that I would say to any business leader listening to this, if that's you, is repent, forgive, <laughs> move on, lean in, lean in, engage with church. But keep building your business with passion as well. Take the Freedom Church DNA, look at it and say, what does this mean for me as a business leader? How do I put this stuff to work within the context of my business? Because I believe it will make a difference and it will fuel people. And then finally, I think, you know, we all have to, um, you know, fill our space. I work part-time for church and part-time for another organization. I'm as passionate about both of those elements of my work um, you know, there's no particular bias or preference because both of them are opportunities that God's given me. And I believe that I have to fill the spaces that he's given me in those areas in a way that won't feel awkward when I have to account to him for it. You know, when I stand before Jesus and he says, you know, I gave you this measure in church or I gave you this measure in this other context, what did you do with it? I want to be able to say to him, do you know what? I did all that I could do to multiply it. And the reason that I could multiply it effectively was because there was a reconciled vision of God's kingdom that sat behind my life. I was both fully committed and, and engaged in church community and, and, and drawing from the well that God had placed in the church. But I was also, you know, passionate to pour out his kingdom and him, Jesus, in um, the business context, in the, in, in, you know, in the marketplace as well so good and there's such there's such wisdom in that and i was going to ask you a final question like a you know a key takeaway but i actually think you already gave it i think for anyone listening 
just look at the Freedom Church DNA and see how that can impact your business and how you can bring that into your business because it is bringing that passion, that joy, that honor, um, raise, even raising people up behind you. It's bringing those elements into your business to that people will stop and see there's something different about you. And Chris, I love your passion for reconciling business and ministry. And obviously you step into both worlds. Um, and because of that experience you, know, you had in Zurich, it's the reason momentum was ever birthed. It was that gathering of people coming together who are businessmen and women praying together. And what, seven, how long ago was that? Seven, eight years? Um, that was about eight years ago. But truthfully, for me, the whole thing started much earlier, Manny. It might, might just be worth mentioning is when I was about uh, 18, yeah, seven, 17, I really kind of came to Christ and for myself. I, I had made a decision to follow Jesus as a child, but I kind of walked away. Um, through my teen years, and I, you know, I, I, I would say Jesus discovered me. I mean, He hadn't lost me, but He broke into my life in a very powerful way. I, I say that quite sort of um, slightly tongue in cheek that He discovered me, but it, you know, I can't personally take credit for my salvation. Really, He rescued me in a set of circumstances, and very quickly, I personally started to feel that if we were to impact the world as God had a vision to impact the world. It required church that would um, empower people with faith and expectation, full of passion, um, you know, that cut through the noise and spoke into the heart of the matter and deployed God's word in a, in a powerful way and envisioned and, and looked at the world and said, we can make a difference here. Church would need to look that way. But also as, 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 as business leaders or as workers as well, we would need to look and say, I'm going to grab a hold of the gold and the fuel that's within that thing. I'm going to carry it into my space as well. Um, you know, we'd have to break out of the church, break out into the marketplace. And, and so really, I feel even as a, when I was heading off to university, God was really tearing down this, this false um, dichotomy, this false division, this false wall that sat between you know, the secular and the sacred church in the marketplace. And um, yeah, and, it, and, and so it's grown really on that foundation over the years. Um, but I just wholeheartedly believe there are so many business leaders in our church who God's called to build business um, and God wants to, you know, release um, vision and release um, gifting through that process of building business. He wants to bless financially. He wants to cause um, people to reach people and meet people and reflect him. He wants to, you know, establish um, stories that are, you know, of kingdom magnitude. You know, Joseph, really, you know, Joseph wasn't, like I say this respectfully, he wasn't, you know, I don't think a, 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 a hugely special guy. Sure, he had gifting, but God poured blessing out into his life and positioned him and put him in a place. What we know of Joseph is he was a dreamer. And he dared to believe that the dream could be um, possible. And our church is full of dreamers. And those dreams need to be kingdom business dreams, that God can do something greater. God can do something bigger. If, if we're prepared to embrace the dream, I, even this week, God's been challenging me personally um, to be a vessel that he can do something significant in and through. Because most of us limit our divine capacity to do kingdom stuff and achieve kingdom stuff through the way we see ourselves, the way we think, uh, through our expectations, through our, you know, even honestly, through our lethargy and our laziness. It's like, we, we, we're not going to do the hard yards or run the hard yards. And God's there saying, I've got, you know, the widow's oil is perfect example, isn't it? Just 
I will keep on pouring into the capacity that you have. Such is the nature of God's blessing on our lives. And so we need to be kingdom leaders who are leaders with great capacity for God to pour himself into us and through us. Um, so, yeah, I could go on. I love it. It's amazing. Anyone listening, the other thing I would encourage you with is grow your capacity. Grow your capacity and see how God can use you in both the ministry, um, church, you know, through church, but also through your business. Chris, that was incredible. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know everyone listening appreciates it um, as there was such wisdom that came from that. And so for everyone listening, go and occupy your space and allow God to move through your business. Amen. Come on, Manny. Thank you.